You are listening to the Grace Covenant Church audio podcast. Good morning. Well, aren't you glad that uh, the Lord woke you up this morning and gave you one more day to worship Him? Yes. It's a good thing. Well, there's three people here on the front row that are really happy to be alive this morning. So aren't you glad He gave you one more day? You know the best thing about today? Yesterday's gone and tomorrow's not here yet. So we get to live in His presence today, right? Isn't that awesome? Well, Pastor Farrell is actually on um, his annual respite. Uh, He takes a little break in October to go hunting. He's at home in Arkansas, probably in a deer stand right now, enjoying the beauty of God's beautiful creation, and um, unfortunately for some poor deer in Arkansas today, it might be their last day with us, (laughs) but... um, Anyway, I'm just, I'm so happy that he gets to take a break and get refreshed and refueled. Um, I also want to let you know that last Sunday he mentioned as part of his message that his father was having surgery on that carotid artery. And when they got ready to prep him, they said, you know what? You just don't need to have this surgery done. So that was really wonderful for the Lemmings family. Really happy for them. I know that was a real burden on Pastor Farrell's heart. So last week he began a um, new series titled Hope for Today. And we're in the second part of that series today. And we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 3. If you want to go ahead and find your place uh, on your phone Bible or iPad or um, the old paper old-fashioned version, the paper version, uh, will be in chapter 3 primarily, starting with verses 13. Um, But before I read the text for today, I just want to share a couple of things with you about hope. First of all, the Bible says that along with faith and love, hope is one of the three timeless, enduring values of our lives. Hope is more than a positive attitude, and it's more than wishful thinking. Hope is actually a confident expectation that we have that God is going to take care of us and that God can handle anything that comes up within our lives according to his word. It's also... um, a confident expectation that God will be true to his character as it is written in his word. Hope is powerful, but so is hopelessness. So Peter finds himself at the time of writing this one of two letters, he finds himself at a time where the first century Christians have been scattered out from Jerusalem. They're, they're scattered all throughout the Roman Empire. They have been facing um, dif- very difficult times. It's been 30 years since the resurrection of Jesus. So kind of the memory of him walking amongst them has faded in a whole generation of individuals. They find themselves in a season where they have been um, socially ostracized. They are being persecuted both um, economically and personally. Diseases have begun to come into their lives because they're in new surroundings and in new cultures. And their hope is fading. Their hope is being crushed. And so Peter writes to them in the midst of their suffering, in the midst of their difficult time, and he writes to them in essence to ignite their hope, to turn the hope switch on. And if if you find yourself in a position today where you need to have your hope ignited, I can tell you very confidently you're in the right place right now. 
Because that's what we're going to do today. We're going to ignite hope. Someone once said that Jesus often spoke of Christianity as a banquet, but he never said it would be a picnic. He never promised us that things were going to be easy. In fact, he said quite the contrary. He said, in this world, you will have trials and tribulations. Disasters are going to strike. Disappointments are going to come. Disease is going to invade our bodies. Relationships are going to fracture. And people are going to be rejected for their biblical beliefs. Tough times visit everyone. Even people trying to do good and live for the Lord. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 5.45 that God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. The idea that if you are in the center of God's will, you're going to be free from trials is not biblical. However, what is biblical is that God wants us to overflow with hope in the midst of difficult times. I love what Romans 15, 35, uh, 13, 15, 13 says in the Amplified Bible. May the God of your hope so fill you with all joy and peace in believing through the experience of your faith that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound to overflowing, literally bubbling over with hope. Want to be a person who bubbles over with hope? Then you're going to live your life kind of like a bottle of champagne that's had the cork popped out of it. And you're spewing, you're bubbling over with hope. And we can do that. Scripture tells us we can live like that if our hope is anchored in Jesus. So let's read what Peter's advice is on how to keep our hope up when the storms of life are trying to take us down. Let's start in chapter 3 with verse 13. I was sitting in my seat during worship and I remembered a teaching from Willow Creek Summit. One of the, one of the people who were speaking said, if you wear red glasses, it means you're a person of passion. And I looked down at the glasses that I brought because I brought my little type Bible and I went... Oh my gosh, I'm passionate for the Lord. I got my passion glasses on today. I am passionate for the Lord, and I'm passionate for his word, and not ashamed to say it. Okay, here we go. All right, verse 14. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Now scroll down or flip over to uh, 4.14. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ... You are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Now scroll down a little more or uh, read down a little more to 510. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Wow, that's a good word this morning from the Lord. 
So the very first thing that Peter encourages us in order to keep our hopes up when life's getting us down is to cheer up, to cheer up, to acknowledge that we're blessed. Now, some of you probably just thought, what in the world is Peter talking about? Has he lost his marbles? What do you mean that when life is tough, I'm blessed? I mean, when the bank account is going down and I need it to be going up, how can I say that I am blessed? Well, Peter understood that to be blessed is a position, not a condition. It's a position, not a condition. And Jesus agrees with Peter. In Matthew 5.10, Jesus confirms that seeing yourself as blessed doesn't have to do with circumstances. He says, Blessed are those who who have persecuted, blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men cast insults at you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. Peter and Jesus both knew that to be blessed is a position, not a condition. I'm going to say it again. It's a position, not a condition. Now, if my handsome husband was standing up here next to me with that beautiful white crown of white hair that he has, you would say, now that girl is blessed. Or if you were to walk out to me to my little uh, car, I just love my little Versa out in the parking lot that I tool around in, and you would see my car, some of you would say, she's blessed. Or if you would come over to my house this afternoon, have lunch with us, when you left our house, you would say, she's blessed. But you know what? If the Lord decided to take my husband into eternity eternity today, and my totaled my car on the way home and disaster struck and I lost my house today, I would still be blessed because being blessed is not about my conditions or my circumstances. Being blessed is about my spiritual position. You see circumstances with your natural eyes, but your spiritual position, you have to see with your spiritual eyes. You have to know it in your spirit. So if you happen not to know what your spiritual position is, let me share with you what it is. And I'm going to talk to you in terms of how I am blessed this morning. You see, you can't see it, but in the spiritual realm right now, my position is I'm a child of the king. I am a daughter of the one who created the heavens and the earth. I am seated in the heavenly realms and I'm an heir to Christ Jesus. My name is in inscribed on the palm of God's hand and he is singing over me right now the Lord of all lords knows when I rise and he knows when I lie down I'm adopted I'm forgiven I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus I walk with an incredible empowerment of the Holy Spirit right now Jesus is preparing a place for me in heaven but while he's got me stuck here on planet earth I am the temple of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit it dwells within me you can't see it in the natural but if you could see in the spiritual realm right now 
you would realize that I am crowned with honor and glory. I am standing under the shelter of the Most High God's wings. And the angels have been given charge over me. Don't mess with me because I'm a child of the kings. Now listen, I am blessed. But everything that I just said to you right now, that is you too. You're blessed. You have, If you know Jesus Christ, you have the same position that I just expressed to you. So I want you to turn to somebody right now with great confidence say, I'm blessed. I am so blessed. You're blessed. Turn and tell him you're blessed. You're blessed. I'll tell you what, somebody ought to be happy in this room right now because it doesn't matter what we see. We are blessed. My gosh, we are marked by the blood of Jesus. So no matter what tries to disappoint us and knock us down, we can have hope. Mm, Love it. Okay. Hey, I've said it three times today and I'm ready to go for the fourth. I'm telling you what. Now, in our world today, we name storms. We just got through a storm called Matthew. It was that hurricane was named Matthew. Well, at the time that Peter is writing this letter, there was another storm that was coming on shore, and his name was Nero. Nero did everything that he could to strike fear into the heart of those first century believers. Why? Because fear is a hope snatcher. Fear is a hope destroyer. We just finished a wonderful series on fearless. And I I hope that if you haven't heard that series yet, you'll listen to all the podcasts online about that. In the midst of facing difficult times, Peter says in 3 um, verse 14b, do not fear their threats or some other translations say, do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled. To keep our hope up during difficult times, we have to give up and we have to let go of our fear. When Peter writes, do not be do not fear their imitation. What he's actually doing is he is quoting and he is referring to something that Isaiah said to King Ahaz. Um, and you can uh, look the whole story up in Isaiah chapter 8 later on, but let me just summarize it for you. King Ahaz found himself in a very difficult situation, in a very difficult season. If you'll remember, um, at a certain time in in the history of the nation of Israel, um, there was a division in Israel. It happened um, after people had rejected Solomon's son to be the king and and Israel divided into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The southern kingdom was known as Judah and that's what King Ahaz was the king over. The northern kingdom was known as Israel and Israel and Syria to its north um, wanted to get Judah, the kingdom of Judah to join forces with them and to go and attack the Assyrians. Well, King Ahaz did not feel led to do that. And so when he declined the offer from Syria and Israel, they said, okay, fine. If you're not going to be with us, then you're against us. And so we're going to invade Judah. How many of you would agree that a pending invasion is a difficult season to be in, right? So King Ahaz, he decides that maybe he'll just go and form an alliance with the Assyrians in order to protect 
Judah. But when Isaiah hears of him forming that, getting ready to form that ungodly alliance, Isaiah warns him. And this is what he says to him. Do not call conspiracy everything this people calls a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. Um, And then he goes on to tell him, don't fear man, but fear the Lord. If you want to keep your hopes up during a difficult time, don't make other people's fears your fears. Don't make other people's anxiousness your points of anxiety. Don't take on other people's dread. Instead, do what Isaiah and Peter both say. Fear the Lord. Now, does that mean that we're supposed to be afraid of God? No, that's not what the word means. In fact, when you look at the scripture, the word for fear in uh, the verses in Isaiah are yira, which has two completely different meanings. Yira can mean two things. One, it can mean to to the anticipation of danger or pain, or it can mean awe or reverence. So in the beginning, when Isaiah is talking to King Ahaz, he's using the anticipation of danger or pain part of meaning for fear. In the latter part of the sentence, when he says to fear the Lord, it's talking about the awe or the reverence. So let's let's rephrase what Peter and Isaiah would be encouraging us today. He would say, if you want to keep your hope up, don't take on other people's anticipation of danger or pain. But instead, to keep your hope up, be in awe of the greatness and the glory of God. For then your hope can't be shaken. When we, look at, when we look at the awesomeness of God, when we look at the majesty and the power of God, then our problems, our difficult times seem to start to pale, right? And our hope begins to rise and our confidence that God will be God begins to bubble up. The best way to give up fear, Peter tells us in verse 15, is to lift up the name of Jesus, to put our trust in Christ as Lord of all. In fact, I want to read to you how it's stated in the New Living Translation. It says, but in your hearts, instead of fear, you must worship Christ as Lord of all, Lord of all your life. Do you remember playing the game, uh, follow the leader? Or maybe you're playing it now with your kids or your grandkids, follow the leader. Well, one of the keys to a good follow the leader game is to have a creative leader. When the leader of of, uh, follow the leader was kind of creative and thoughtful and came up with lots of really cool ideas, then you really wanted to play the game for a long time. But if you had kind of a dry and boring leader... Like after two rounds, you kind of went, okay, when's hide and seek coming around? You know, this isn't working out too good. Well, what's true on the playground is true in the deeper areas of life as well. Who or what you choose to follow will impact how much hope you have. Did you catch that? Who or what you follow will have an impact on how much hope you have. 
To say Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life means that Jesus is more than your Savior. It means he's the ultimate leader of your life. And if he's the ultimate leader of your life, the Lord of your life, then it means he has the ultimate say over every aspect of your life. You don't cordon him off and say, okay, these four areas, you're allowed to like instruct me. But these three areas over here, I got my own agenda. Thank you very much. Stay out of that. That's not having him be Lord. That's having him be, that's having him be the Lord of some, not the Lord of all of your life. And Jesus knew that this was going to be a struggle for us. He knew that it was going to be a challenge in our human nature and with our pride. And that's why he said in Luke 6:46, he asked us the question, why do you call me Lord and not do the things that I say? See, many of us are very comfortable acknowledging him as Savior and the Son of God. But man, when it comes to giving him the place of Lordship, that's a little tougher. The problem with being the leader of your life is, that when you run into a difficult time, like the business endeavors beginning to fail, or the person you anticipated marrying rejects you, the house doesn't sell, the exam doesn't seem to go very well time and time again, when you're the leader of your own life, you are faced dead on with the awareness of your limitations and with your weaknesses. If you're the leader, then you're at the top and you have nowhere else to go. So you have to live within the constraints of your own abilities. But if you want to live a life that's full of hope, the best thing you can do is turn the leadership role over to the God who created you and decide to follow Jesus wholeheartedly, knowing that you can trust him to point you in the right directions at the right time because he knows what is best for you. The fourth thing Peter tells us about how to keep our hopes up during difficult times is to clear up. In verse 16, he says, keep a clear conscience and have good character. A living hope and a clear conscience go hand in hand because it's hard to have your hopes up when your conscience is burdened with restlessness or uneasiness because you've dissipate you've disobeyed God or you've wronged another person it's hard to keep your hope up to be overflowing and bubbling over with hope when you're weighed down with guilt Peter encourages us that if our personal standards are godly conduct, then when hard, the hard times come of being slandered or misrepresented or someone tries to damage your reputation, you can live with the hope that it will be your accusers that will be put to shame, not you. When we live to honor God in all that we do and make him the Lord of all, we're able to say as King David did in Psalm 119, uphold me according to your promise that I may live and let me not be put to shame in my hope. And lastly, to keep our hopes up, we have to stand up, be steadfast, 
knowing that the Lord will strengthen us. In fact, let's look back at that chapter 5, verse 10, one more time. Let's read it again. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered for a little while, he himself will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. When we're facing a hard time, the adversary has a huge goal, and that is that he wants us to believe that our pain is never going to stop. He wants us to believe that we are stuck in this season of of misery. He wants us to believe that there's no hope for tomorrow, that this is as good as it's going to get, and you're just going to have to deal with this circumstance and maybe one day dig out of the hole that you're in. Because he wants to see us become hopeless. So we have to arise. When when we're in tough seasons, we have to stand up. And we have to begin to declare that the promises of God are true. That that he is going to strengthen us. And he is going to give us a firm foundation to stand on. We have to protect our heart from letting hope leak out. I read a story um, recently about a man who had just who had been learning how to fly airplanes, and um, on this particular day he was getting a little bit more advanced in his training. And on this particular day, the instructor told him, "Okay, I want you um, to go ahead and take this airplane into a deep and extended dive." Well, the student really wasn't prepared for what was going to happen. And shortly after he started the dive, the engine stalled and the plane began to plummet out of control. The student became quite frantic, started yelling at the instructor. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? I don't know all the questions that you'd ask in that situation, but he was asking lots of questions. The instructor stayed completely quiet. Finally, the student came, got their wits about them, started putting into play everything that he had been taught and instructed up until that point, and the plane eventually leveled out, and it was smooth flying. Well, once the student had regained his composure and the plane was all steady, he shared with the, with the instructor um, his frustration and how the instructor had handled that particular situation. <laughs> But the instructor responded back to the student, hey, I was with you the whole time. I wasn't going to let anything happen to you. I had to let you experience what I had been teaching you and let you see how what I'd been teaching you could be activated. But I was right here with you the whole time. I share that story with you today because maybe some of you feel that you are in a season right now where you um, feel like you're in an extended dive. Maybe you feel like the engine has stalled out on your marriage or your business or the direction that you want to take in ministry or the direction you want to take in school and you just feel like you're in an engine stall. Or maybe you feel like there are situations in your life that literally are plummeting out of control. Or maybe you feel like you're alone in the cockpit of your life. Can I just tell you right now, feelings aren't facts. 
You may feel alone. You may feel like things are spinning out of control. You may feel like you don't know what to do. But the fact of the matter is, you're not alone. The Lord is with you. He says he will never leave you and never forsake you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And in James, it says, if anyone lacks wisdom, all you have to do is ask of me and I will pour it out to you liberally. God is available to you 24 7, 365. He is always there. You have to stand up. Don't let the enemy steal your hope. Energize your hope. Tell yourself over and over what I'm going through is no match for the power of God. What I'm going through is no match for the power of God. When we're facing difficult times, we need to arise. We need to take a position of standing up and putting our trust and our hope in the Lord. Now, I read an interesting, another interesting story not too long ago in a magazine, and it was about vultures and hummingbirds, an interesting combination. Um, did you know that both vultures and hummingbirds fly in the desert? I didn't know the hummingbirds went to the desert, but they do. Both of them go to the, our nation's deserts. But there's a huge difference between them. Vultures, disgusting birds that they are. I'm not quite sure why God made them, but I know he had a reason. Vultures eat rotting meat. I think we have a photo. Yes, this is a vulture. This is a vulture's life. They look for what's dead they eat they live on what's dead has no life to it they live on things that are past they fill themselves with what's dead and gone but hummingbirds ignore the smell of dead meat hummingbirds look for the colorful blossoms of the desert plants isn't that just beautiful they look for what's fresh and what's alive. Each bird finds what it's looking for. Each bird finds what it's looking for. What do you have your sights on? Do you have your sights on what's going to fuel your hope in the midst of your difficulty? Or do you have your sights on what fuels hopelessness you see the vulture to me represents hopelessness it feeds on things like neg like that have no life things that have no life are things like negativity pessimism fear anxiety dread but hope is different hopes like the hummingbird it's small hopes only a four-letter word but mighty like the hummingbird hope is a beautiful thing Hope seeks new life and it feasts on the living word of God and his promises and his character. Can I just remind you, Jesus is all about life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the... Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly. If you want your hope to arise in the midst of difficulty, you've got to look for what's alive. You've got to feast on the living word of God. Now
I want you to know this. You're blessed. And you know why you're blessed? Because you're like that student in that airplane. God's got you. God's got you. God's got you. God's got you. No matter what it is that you're facing, no matter what your concern is, no matter who's coming against you, who's taking from you, no matter what you're losing, no matter what the report's been, what the letter has said, what the phone call's been, you can have hope because God's got you. He's got you. Your name is inscribed. It's tattooed. It's permanently etched in the palm of his hand. And you're safe in his grip. You're safe in his grip. He's the sovereign, majestic, mighty God who can do exceedingly, abundantly, more than you could ever hope or imagine. He'll take you beyond your hope if you'll let him. And he'll prove himself faithful to you if he's your God. Now, if you're just playing with church, you need to meet Jesus. Because I'm telling you, there's no self-help book. And I've read a lot of really good ones. I've been to a lot of really great motivational speakers. And I'm all revved up for 45 minutes after they speak. But if Jesus isn't involved in your life, your hope is going to fade within 24 hours. And you're just going to be looking for another book. Jesus is the anchor of our hope. And if you don't know him, you need to embrace him and come to him today. And you need to say, like Peter in that scripture, Lord, I want to make you Lord of all. I want to make you Lord of all, everything. I'm not going to hold back from you anymore, Lord of all. Is there? Can you just bow your heads for just a moment? Is there anybody here today that would say, I don't have hope because I don't have Jesus. And I need to embrace him today as my Savior and my Lord. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to pray for you. Is there anyone? Trying to look. Having a hard time seeing. Anybody in the balcony? Awesome. Awesome. I'd also encourage you as our prayer partners are coming forward this morning that maybe you've made Jesus Savior but you haven't made him Lord yet. Our prayer partners that are coming forward right now are looking forward to praying with you. And they'll lead you through a prayer where you can just say, I've made him Savior. I believe he's the Son of God. But I've been resisting him as making him the ultimate leader of my life in all areas. They would love to pray that prayer with you. Well, let me pray this more general closing prayer over each of you this morning. Father, I pray for individuals here, Lord, who are finding themselves in a season like King Ahaz did. They've got pressure coming from the north. They got pressure coming from the south, from the east, and from the west. 
And maybe they're tempted to form some kind of a holy alliance, unholy alliance, or they're being tempted to take some matters into their own hands because they're just not sure that you're going to pull through for them. Lord, I pray that today's message would revisit them over and over and over again in their spirit for the next few days. I pray, Lord, that they would seek you for their hope. I pray, Lord, that they would lay down their fear and they wouldn't make other people's fear their fear, Lord God. I pray, Father God, that they would begin to see themselves in the blessed position that they are in. And, Lord, they would stop weighing their blessings based on their circumstances, but they would start declaring who they are in Christ, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that they would take their stand, Lord, and they would begin to stand on the promises of God and that they would dig into the scriptures And Lord, they would find your word for them right in this season that they are in. I pray that they would be freshly captured and captivated by the grandeur and the awesomeness and the power and the fullness of the Lord God Almighty. And I pray, Lord God, that they would yield to you, Lord, not lean on their own understanding, but Lord, lean on you. And as they lean on you, I pray that hope would arise within their hearts and they would walk out this season with strength and with the confident expectation that God is going to be God, that God is going to take care of them, that God is going to give them wisdom, that God is going to give them direction, and that God's character is going to be manifested in their life and that they are going to see the glory of the Lord come upon their situation. Lord, I pray that's the kind of hope that they would walk with. I pray that's the kind of hope that their heart would contain. And I pray it would splash out of them. It would overflow them, Lord, and it would bubble over to other people. And I thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.